You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From January 31st, 2021 at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida, the text is Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, and when they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. I grew up in a pretty small town, like probably a lot of you did. And one of the highlights of every year in that small town was when the carnival came to town. Anybody remember that? Living in a small town, excited about the carnival. We went every year, and we would eat the cotton candy, and we would eat the funnel cakes, and we would play the ring toss and the balloon and dart game. And my favorite, however, were all the rides. The Ferris wheel, the bumper cars, and the, remember the scrambler? Rode the scrambler. And then there was one year when they brought a new ride to the carnival. It was the centrifuge. Do you remember the centrifuge? I was so excited. How cool is that? So here's the deal with the centrifuge, just to, you know, make sure you remember, you know, be on the same page here. So the centrifuge is this round, like, flying saucer-looking thing, and you get in, and I don't think there were even any straps. You just leaned your back against the pad, right? And then the spinning started, right? The spinning started. And then the centripetal, I had to look this word up, the centripetal force then kind of pushes you back and you can barely move your arms. And my little, you know, my little frame at that point, my little frame, you know, was just kind of plastered and it was real fun until it started being not so fun. And there was a little something going down in my stomach and in my head. And, and suddenly I was, I was spinning, like literally and figuratively I was spinning. And I was not feeling so good. And it was all I could do not to toss my cookies and then the centripetal force then, you know. What, ha, you ever think about what happens in the, if that happens on the centrifuge? Right? right, so luckily that didn't happen. But I was able to kind of kind of stammer off of of the centrifuge and I kind of went back behind the ride and that's when I tossed my cookies. So needless to say I have never entered another centrifuge and I never will. There is not enough money. (laughs) You cannot get me to go on another centrifuge. But with that 
I invite you to do a little imagination exercise with me, if you will. You ready? A little play with our mind. All right, so we're going to imagine, if you'll join me, that, that we're going to get on a centrifuge. To, it's a big one. It's a big centrifuge, and we're all going to get on there together. You ready? So let's imagine we're, we're on this centrifuge, and it's spinning. But this is no ordinary centrifuge. This is actually a time machine, okay? Can you, can you do that? You, you, is your imagination still active enough? You can do this? All right, so we're on this centrifuge, and it's a time machine, and we're not sure when it stops, where we'll be. We're told it'll be someplace and sometime in the future, but we're not sure when or where it's going to stop. And so we're spinning, we're spinning, we're spinning, and then it stops. And luckily, none of us have had to do what I did after I literally rode the centrifuge. So it stops, and now we're all like, okay, all right. All right, we don't know where we are. We don't know when we are. But let's step out of the centrifuge and we'll find out. And so we get out of the centrifuge together. We're like, well, how are we going to find out when we are and where we are? And so one of you says, well, let's get a newspaper. And somebody else says, you you can't trust a newspaper. Somebody else says, well, let's find a TV. We'll watch cable news. And I say, you can't trust cable news. <laughs> then, then somebody else says, well, let's find a, let's find a police officer. He, you know, a police officer will be able to tell us. Somebody said, you can't trust the police. Then somebody said, well, let's find the local pastor. She can tell us when and where we are. And everybody said, well, you can't trust the pastor. And so we're left wondering when we are and where we are. And there's nobody that we can trust. And, and we all have our different ideas about who the authority will be. And so we're left wondering who can we trust? Where will we find our authority? It's confusing and disorienting, right? And I believe, if I read my New Testament correctly, that it was that kind of situation that Jesus found himself in, in his day and his time. It was disorienting time. It was an uncomfortable time. The old Mosaic law, the law of Moses, was, wasn't relevant as it used to be, and, and it wasn't working anymore. And so one of the Pharisees, you know, said, hey, let's just hang the Ten Commandments in the courthouse. That'll fix everything, right? Okay, maybe not so much. And so that's the scene that Jesus steps into, a disorienting, unsettling time of upheaval in his own land. And he steps in, and he begins to speak, the scriptures tell us, with authority. And it's different than all the other teachers. It sets him apart. This this way of speaking sets him apart as having authority. And this word authority in this passage has caught my attention Uh, Because I love what author and writer and historian Phyllis Tickle says about it. She says that authority is the big question whenever society goes through a big time of upheaval and transition. Where now is our authority, she writes. And I love this. I think I've told you this before. But she says that the church has gone through um, several rummage sales, she calls them where the church has thrown out the things that aren't working anymore and adapted itself to a new era and had to take on some new things, a giant rummage sale every 500 years, she says. And so Jesus launched the first rummage sale, right? You remember Jesus saying, uh, you have heard it said, and then he quotes some law from Moses, but I say to you, so he's, he's doing this rummage sale. One of the things that he said, uh, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. 
But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn also the left. And so Jesus uh, initiates the first big rummage sale of the church. And then 500 years later, the Ro- or roughly, we're roughly, right? 500 years later, the Roman Empire fell, and with it, the church Oriental Orthodoxy split off from the church at that time, and then roughly 500 years after that was the Great Schism when the Eastern Church and the Western Church split, and the Western Church had its base in Rome and the Eastern Church in Constantinople, and that's where Eastern Orthodoxy was was born at the Great Schism. And then about 500 years after that, a fellow tacked 95 theses on the door at Wittenberg. You remember his name? A couple of good Lutherans out there, Martin Luther, tacked the 95 theses on the door, and, the, uh, and that's the, you know, it didn't happen in that moment, but that's our marker. The Great Reformation happened, and the Protestant church split from the Catholic church. And the question was always, where now is our authority? And what's interesting is, is throughout church history, there are all these really interesting stories. And I'm, I've never fashioned myself as much of a historian, but I've enjoyed in my older days kind of going back and looking at some of those interesting stories. And here's one. Did you know that at one time uh, that the, ch- the Catholic Church had two popes? Do you remember this from church history? So there was a pope from France and there was a pope from Italy, and both of them claimed the papacy, and they warred and fought against each other, and their people fought against each other, and that went on for about 30 years. And then another Italian guy threw his hat in the ring to be the pope, and so now there are three people, three men, vying for the papacy. And it was all very confusing, but here's what uh, Tickle, Phyllis Tickle, writes about that. She says, while having three warring popes, all claiming to be the one true pope, may seem somewhere between quaint and downright ludicrous to us now, it did not seem so to the church and citizenry of the early 15th century. Now, she wrote that in 2008. I'm not so sure it seems as ludicrous to us now as it might have in 2008. And then she goes on to say, second, Two or three popes evoked the one question that is always present in reformation. Where now is our authority, she writes. That's right. So there's another fascinating story from church history. Uh, (laughs) This one's crazy. This one's just ludicrous. So here's the story. So this was in the ninth century. Pope Stephen VI was the pope at that time. And he wanted to put a previous pope on trial. And that previous pope's name was Formo- uh, Formosus. And he was accusing uh, the previous pope, Formos- uh, Formosus, of um, perjury and of ascending to the papal throne illegally. Okay, so he wanted to put him on trial for that. But there was one problem Formosus was dead. In fact, he'd been dead about uh, seven or so months. But do you think that stopped Stephen VI? It did not. You know what Stephen VI did with Pope Formosus, who was dead and buried in the ground? He dug him up. He dug up the previous pope, placed his corpse on a throne, and held a trial. How do you think Formosus fared in that trial? <laughs> Apparently, he didn't have very good legal counsel because he lost in the trial. And so do you know what Pope 
Stephen VI did with Formosus. He stripped him of his papal vestments, and he cut off his three fingers used for blessing. (laughs) Church history is full of crazy, weird, strange stories. And so if we think the United States is in a hot mess, well, we're not alone as far as church history goes. Now, our question today, I believe, is still, where do we find our authority? And so the question during Martin Luther's time was, is it the Pope? Is that the right authority, or should it be the Bible? And before that is which Pope? Martin Luther said, is it the Pope, or is it the Bible? And you know where Protestants ended on that, right? Sola Scriptura, Scripture only. And critics of this decision have said that Protestants traded a human pope for a paper pope. So that's the criticism there. Now, what do we do with all that? Today, if we're in a time of upheaval and, and, and of social transition, um, it's disorienting, like, like we're in a centrifuge and we're spinning, we're spinning, we're not sure where we're going to end up, and so it's, it's confusing and disorienting, and maybe we're feeling a little <clears throat> sick, a little nauseous with all this spinning, and we're not only spinning, but we're being spun, aren't we? So where do we find our authority? Well, the people in the synagogue that day thought that Jesus made a pretty good authority. And I'm going to have to side with them. I think Jesus is still a pretty good authority for us today. Now, a lot of Christians would disagree. They want to place their authority in a human. They want to place their authority in a paper pope. They want to place their authority in the stock market or whatever. A lot of Christians are misguided, I think, today. I think that a good authority for us now is still Jesus of Nazareth. Convince me otherwise. Good luck with that. (laughs) So we're stepping off of the centrifuge, looking for our authority. And we remember that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's still a pretty good authority for us now. So what do we do with that? Well, we have to be willing to allow the demons, perhaps figurative, to allow the demons to be cast out. Do you remember what what the guy said when Jesus wanted to cast out the demon? He said, have you come to destroy us, Jesus of Nazareth? Perhaps speaking on behalf of all those gathered at the synagogue that day. Have you come to destroy us? Have you come to change us? Have you come to change the way that we do our faith? And Jesus simply said, silence. Come out. And I think that as we approach this passage, we have to be humble and realize that that maybe there's some things that need to come out of us if we're going to follow Jesus more fully and more closely. And so the best way I can think to do that is to have an exorcism right here and now. I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. You're like, what? What's happening here? (laughs) Just kidding. I think the best way, <laughs> that's not in the script, by the way. I just thought, mm, I've got their attention. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull one on them. I think the best way for us to do that is to simply pray, to yield ourselves before God. 
And there's a beautiful prayer that uh, Kylie and Irene sang, Silence, Frenzied, Unclean Spirit. The final verse is a beautiful prayer. So I invite you to, to find your bulletin and to open up your heart and your mind. In humility, pray this prayer along with me. Let's pray together. Silence, Lord, the unclean spirit in our mind and in our heart. Speak your word that when we hear it, all our demons shall depart. Clear our thought and calm our feeling, still the fractured warring soul. By the power of your healing, make us faithful, true, and whole. Let it be, O Lord, let it be. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.